The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Doesn't seem we have anyone that's going to come up for children's time. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1803, President Thomas Jefferson invited Captain Meriwether Lewis on a great adventure. He charged Lewis with exploring the newly acquired Louisiana Purchase and finding a water route that would link the eastern and western parts of what would become the United States, from Atlantic to Pacific. Lewis enlisted his friend William Clark and a small team known as the Corps of Discovery. They set out from St. Louis, and everything was going well until they approached the Rocky Mountains. You see, they thought, based on the very limited maps of that time, that they could just travel from river to river all the way to the Pacific. They had assumed that the geography in the western half of the United States was relatively the same as that in the east. Until they got there, they had no idea that the Rocky Mountains even existed, and they had no idea how they would cross them. In his book, Canoeing the Mountains, Todd Bolsinger describes it this way. He says, at that moment, everything that Meriwether Lewis assumed about his journey changed. He was planning on exploring the new world by boat. He was a river explorer. They planned on rowing, and they thought the hardest part was behind them. But in truth, everything they had accomplished was only a prelude to what was in front of them. Lewis and Clark and the Corps of Discovery were about to go off the map and into uncharted territory. They would have to change plans, give up expectations, even reframe their entire mission. What lay before them was nothing like what was behind them. There were no experts, no maps, no best practices, and no sure guides who could lead them safely and successfully. The true adventure, the real discovery, was just beginning. Bolsinger's book applies the lessons learned by Lewis and Clark to being Christians and being the church today. He uses that great phrase, canoeing the mountains, 
as a way of capturing this moment where life presents us with a new, unexpected, and daunting challenge, and we have to find new ways of navigating the world. Lewis and Clark could not canoe the mountains. They could not apply old methods to a new challenge. They had to figure out a different way to move forward, a new way to continue their journey and reach their destination. I think this insight applies to our lives on so many levels. Throughout our lives, we reach these moments where the thing that got us this far will not take us any further. Moments when we lose a loved one or receive a diagnosis or have experienced a trauma or our career changes or we begin to question what we think and know. And we have to figure out a new way of making our way in the world. It can be disheartening and scary. It can seem impossible. But Lewis and Clark offer us encouragement, courage, and inspiration that we too can adapt and grow, innovate, continue our journey, and reach our destination. This can happen in our life of faith, where things that have sustained us for so long no longer seem to suffice. The things that we used to do in order to feel grounded and connected to God no longer do the trick. And yet it's what we know, it's what served us well in the past, and so we keep doing it. And it can feel like we are trying to canoe up the mountains, applying old methods to a new moment in our lives. Sometimes it takes courage to set those aside and try something new, a different kind of spiritual practice, a different approach to nurture our faith for a new day and a new time. This also happens to churches. As Bolsinger points out, many churches are still trying to use 20th century methods to meet 21st century realities. And this is even more pronounced since he wrote the book back in 2015 because of COVID. The way I see it, COVID accelerated every trend that was facing the church by a good five years, at least. So we have been plunged headlong into a new reality that was eventually coming, but is here now all at once, and we have to adapt quickly. He quotes leadership expert Ron Heifetz in a talk that he gave to Duke Divinity School saying, most real change is not about change. It's about identifying what cultural DNA is worth conserving, is precious and essential, and that indeed makes it worth suffering the losses so that you can find a way to bring the best of your tradition and history and values into the future. This also happens to nations and our global community. We find ourselves in a moment when everything seems so daunting, impossible, and intractable. We are living through simultaneous crises in public health, the environment, the economy, human rights, and more. It requires undaunted courage to make our way in these times, and it requires new ways of meeting the challenges of today and tomorrow. We will not meet the demands of the future by using the tools of the past. We cannot canoe these mountains. It will take something new and something more from each of us. In the end, Lewis and Clark crossed the Rockies on foot with the help of Sacagawea and the native tribes there, making their way to the Pacific and then back home to tell the tale. 
Their whole journey lasted three years. And what is amazing to me is that just 60 years later, the U.S. built the first transcontinental railroad, joining East and West, which reduced the travel time between East and West to just four days. And something that seems so daunting is overcome. Oftentimes, incredible progress can follow. It's like when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile in 1954, a seemingly impossible feat at the time. But once he broke it, many people quickly followed suit because they knew that it was possible. Today, we encounter similar kinds of turning points in our readings where people are invited to follow God, follow Jesus, to begin a new mission and calling Defining moments where one way of life gives way to another. In Isaiah, we hear the story of Elijah and Elisha, where God tells Elijah to call Elisha as his prophetic understudy. And that's what he means by throwing the mantle over Elisha's shoulder, a symbolic moment where he is invited to follow and one day take up the mantle of prophet. But first, Elisha wants to settle his affairs and say his goodbyes. But Elijah underlines the urgency of the moment, that this new calling and future beckons now. So Elisha, who was a farmer, took his team of oxen, prepared them, and gave them as a feast to his neighbors, left his old life behind, and entered into a new future, a new adventure. In Luke, we hear Jesus call a number of people to follow him, and their instinct is to delay and settle their affairs, but Jesus insists on the urgency of the moment. We hear Jesus say, follow me, and then the person saying, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus and Elijah know that the invitation to follow God is urgent and transformational. The invitation to follow calls us out of one way of being in the world and invites us into another. To place our trust not in ourselves, but to place our trust fully in God. To see our mission in life as not just to care for ourselves and our families, but to care for others and the world God made and to work for justice and peace. Such is the moment of baptism, where in the water and word we take on a new mantle and begin a new adventure of faith, a new chapter in our journey. It is a canoeing the mountains moment to trust that God who has brought us this far will not leave us, but will reveal to us a greater calling, a path forward, and will guide us through all the challenges of this life. Finally, one of my favorite books is a history book called The Age of Reconnaissance, and it was written by the maritime historian and Harvard professor J.H. Perry, And it chronicles European sea exploration between the years of 1450 and 1650. This is not a book they teach in seminary. (laughs) 
But in this book, Professor Perry writes about all the different factors that drove this era of exploration from new technologies to religion to commerce. But most of all, he delves into the human impulse to explore, to push the boundaries of our own knowledge and experience. And one of my favorite quotes from the book, which is actually on the inside of my office door so that I see it every day, says this. It says, Seamen could cross great oceans only when they had acquired sufficient confidence in sailing ships to leave their oars behind. Seamen could cross great oceans only when they had acquired sufficient confidence in sailing ships to leave their oars behind. Up until 1450, European sea trade and shipping and naval fleets all relied on ships with both sails and oar galleries to get around. Ships had huge topsails, but also depended on rows and rows of men with oars rowing underneath. And this worked well in the waters of the Mediterranean Sea and along the coast, but exploration across the vast ocean waters required something different. This new age of exploration required a new model, a new paradigm. The very thing that got Europe to the point of this explosion of exploration, these galley ships, could take them no farther. To go farther, they had to leave something behind, the human engine of rowers down below. They could not row across the oceans, just as Lewis and Clark could not canoe up the mountains. They had to leave their oars behind. This is Jesus' invitation to us in baptism Jesus' invitation for us today to put our trust and confidence in God so that we can leave our oars behind and embark on a new, urgent adventure of faith. Amen.